You're listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you're interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at 2 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of Us needs and appreciates all your support. Hungry for adventure? Then travel to a la carte, the charming land below the floating city of heavenly delight, and join the young cook ramen for her daily dose of wacky hijinks in the new series Delicious! With a cast of eccentric, strong female characters, this wonderfully illustrated comedy comic will be out in July, but you can pre-order now by clicking the banner on the page for this podcast. Get the limited hardcover first edition, plus free stickers and an art print as a gift. Wow, stickers! A perfect gift for your child, or those of you who are forever young at heart. One of us strongly recommends this one. It's tomorrow's war, but we're paying for it today. <laughs> it's funny how that works, right? <laughs> yeah. Milita- military industrial complex not only makes money on wars in the f- present, but now in the future. Mm-hmm. And we definitely paid for it for our, with our time for this movie. <laughs> Never say that we don't give generously of our time for you, the listener, to talk about freaking movies like the Tomorrow's War. <laughs> I mean, I don't think it's that bad. Is it, though? Is it not that bad? Well, we I shall mean, discover as we discuss it. Uh, within the future, we may come to a point that we can then talk to the past to review... I don't <laughs> My logic in time travel is just as flimsy and bad as the <laughs> logic in this movie. <laughs> but this is the Tomorrow's War. It's actually... I want to say it's either the live-action debut or close... Like, I guess, big-budget debut for Chris McKay, the director who, for people who don't know, was one of the main directors for Robot Chicken during the early seasons, and then more oral, and then his big stuff, he was a co-director on the Lego movie and the lead director on the Lego Batman movie. So, obviously, with that pedigree, he would jump to giant sci-fi time travel action film. You know, in premise, this was right up his alley. I don't know if execution was what he was able to do. Well, and then it's also a big thing for the writer here, who is Zach Dean, which... He's mostly known for, like, a couple of very middling movies he made back in the day, like Deadfall and 24 Hours to Live. Mm-hmm. And he's got, last I just saw on IMDb, he's got 11 other projects that he's currently in development for, which frightens me to no end. <laughs> Lucky bastard. Yeah, one of them's that Methuselah movie that's got, like, I think Michael B. Jordan's in that or whatever, which is going to be an interesting film. That's a long time coming. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> nice. Thank you. Which, the man who made that joke there is TC. Hello, hello. And then the guy over here who has made no puns yet is Chad. I am excited to be punny for you. Uh, <laughs> we all we were going to have a fourth member on here, but unfortunately, Alan G is caught in 2051 or whatever, trying to get back in time. He was conscripted and pulled into a dinner party in the future. <laughs> <laughs> For a well, week. 
TC, why don't you give us a basic synopsis so we can just actually start talking about this movie? What is the premise of The Tomorrow's War? Ooh, okay, okay, okay. Uh, <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> the world is stunned when a group of time travelers arrive from the year 2051 and interrupt the World Cup soccer, FIFA, I think, to deliver an urgent message that in 30 years an alien species is going to take over and devastate the entire planet, killing most of the population of the planet. And the only hope for the survival is for soldiers and civilians from present day to be transported to the future to join the fight. And believe it or not, the entire world, government and nations, just agree and band together and start drafting and sending anyone and everyone who can hold a gun and die for the future cause. And among those recruited is our lead, a high school teacher and family man, Dan, played by Chris Pratt. Former Iraq soldier. Former Iraq soldier, yes. And he's determined to save the world for his younger daughter. He teams up with this battle-hungry vet, played by Edwin Hodge, a talkative, nebbish, nebbish widower, played by the always wonderful Sam Richardson, and a brilliant scientist, played by the wonderful Yvonne Strahovski. And also his estranged father, played by J.K. Simmons, with a kick-ass beard in this. And they launched themselves into a desperate quest to rewrite the fate of the planet. <laughs> uh, I wish you were helping to pitch this premise better than the movie did itself. Because <laughs> it, what you said right from the very beginning when the time travelers arrive at the soccer game... Mm -hmm. Almost immediately, that starts to cause huge problems with the time travel logic of this film. Because they're trying to recruit people from the past to go into the future to fight a war based on the idea that they send people who are likely going to die anyway in the past. But right. then, if they die in the future, they can't possibly be back in the past. To I don't know how many times I said to this movie, this isn't how time travel works. In their logic... They it it reminded me a lot of in zombie movies, the majority of zombie movies act as though zombie movies have never existed. Mm -hmm. Right. They don't understand the rules of zombies. And don't get me wrong. Time travel has many variations of storytelling. Sure. Comedic action, drama, what have you. And it typically has a set of rules that it follows. This movie is neglecting some really simple time travel logic. And it ticked me off several times where I just was going why is this conversation point taking so long to get to? No, not only does the movie, like, defy its logic, it'll thumb its nose at the audience for trying to ask questions at the logic. Like, multiple times characters ask, why is this happening, or why didn't we do this instead? And the movie slash the writer pretty much turns to the audience and goes, because shut up. <laughs> well, they did have a, a little bit of cool logic to be had, at least some science in their version of time travel of... It's two fixed points that are constantly moving forward. They equate it to a river. Yeah. Like, you can go upstream, you can go downstream. And I thought that was good. I thought that was a yeah. good, okay, that makes sense why you can't do the, well, just go back further. I like that. Yeah, but some of the, I mean, again, some of the logic with the actual time travel just seem kind of fuzzy. But that's only one part of the problem that, overall, I got to say, the biggest thing that just hurts this film dramatically is the script. You know, if Zach Dean has 11 more scripts that he's got planned... I suggest he starts rewriting them immediately right now. So, so much exposition dialogue. Like, literally, almost every line that characters speak to each other in this movie is exposition. You barely know anything about these characters except Chris Pratt 
because he's Chris Pratt in this mm. movie. There's an economy in something like Edge of Tomorrow, explaining who a character is, explaining the circumstances they're in. This just goes across the board for all movies, and some movies exposit better than others. This one does a lot of, and now let me explain all this to you. Unnecessarily so. It's weird. This movie is way more Roland Emmerich than I thought it was going to be. But at least Roland Emmerich plays with caricatures to help shove information in our faces without boring us. Yeah, he has he has lame characters, but he has characters in his movie. <laughs> this is a popcorn movie. We can watch it, whatever. It's not for us. Like, I, it's definitely for the crowd that's been sitting inside for the past year. It just wants to watch future war shit blow up. <laughs> that being said, I the whole time I felt... All right, so you, we talked about, like, it was all exposition... No real character development. There are two characters, like, basically this big dude and this woman who end up becoming, like, the front end uh, when they finally get to the future. Mm -hmm. And they have a moment where, you know, a sacrificial moment, essentially. And it fell flat because there was no buildup of their character or why I should care about they them. They had no names and, like, maybe three lines of dialogue apiece. <laughs> and they had, like, conversations with each other, but it non-sequitur. It had nothing to do with what was going on. And I felt like if this... Because it was a long movie. Oh, it's so long. It's so long. <laughs> so if it's going to be that long, make it a three-part series where it takes place... I, I mean, break up the three acts... And make it into one-hour episodes. And I feel like they could have fleshed out characters more. We could have cared more about the people that... I mean, it's a war movie. People die. Expect it. Um, but when they die, it's like, alright. Moving on. Oh, hey, Chris Pratt's there. He took his shirt off? Oh, alright. I'm back <laughs> I in. love that they had I'm that in. one shot just like, and for the ladies, here you go. <laughs> it's it's in every it's got to be in his contract like at some point chris we're going to tell you to take your shirt off right now you want me to, do you want me to do it right now I can, <laughs> wait, wait chris hold on hold on, oh, hold on. okay Scene okay four. okay <laughs> but yeah that's the thing is that uh, this movie is so long it, it, it's weird because i felt that the first you know the first act of this movie was really kind of pointless for a lot of it where it gave you so much expository information that it more or less repeats to you throughout the rest of the movie. So if they could have really mm -hmm. cut down the time by just getting straight to the point. There's a tighter movie here. There's yeah. a there's a tighter yeah, oh, movie yeah. here. This feels over long. It feels bloated unnecessarily. And then it speeds through sections unnecessarily. And then even worse than that, you feel like the movie is over, and then there's a fourth act to resolve the plot. <laughs> it definitely felt like Bad Boys 2 to me at the end. <laughs> where it's like, all right, we saved the day. Oh, wait, no, we got to go to Cuba. Shit. Yep. For another 45 minutes, you say. Okay, all right. <laughs> Hobbs and Shaw had a similar circumstance where it's like, great <laughs> yeah. finale. Oh, no, we got to go to Samoa. Uh, okay, all right. Yeah. Another 45 minutes, you say. Huh. Which I, I have to assume they saw Bad Boys 2 because they make an overt reference to Bad Boys 2 halfway through the film, too. So I'm like, I'm sure they got they, they took inspiration from that. How How lazy did that third act get where it was basically like, Oh, well, we can't do this. What are we going to do? Chris Pratt's like, I think I know a guy. They did that twice. They did it twice. <laughs> oh, it was so lazy. Oh, there's so many cliches in this movie. Like, literally, they pull, like, there's, like, one moment they do a subversion that isn't all that clever of subversion because you know it's going to happen no matter what. But every other moment, they have the cliche moments of framing the shots with the heroic angles. They have the cliche dialogue between him and, like, oh, the traumatized soldiers or the funny guys or these people. Seriously, I, I, I cannot believe 
how rote and boring and characterless this script is. Yeah, it, it had the visual beats, but it had none of the flavor. It had none of the core to it to make those shots work. And a tonal inconsistency where it would really try to lay the drama on really thick with two exchanged monologue. And then they would have Sam Richardson doing his thing, and they'd have Chris Pratt being a little snarky with some levity and that worked because those two are very good at that even jk simmons is really good at delivering a dry joke and so it it, there was this weird mesh of the drama and the levity that never quite clicked into place for me well because those comedy moments always came in randomly like there was no pacing to when they relieved the tension it's just like okay uh sam richardson should say something funny here in the middle of this really tense chase sequence i will say that moment though that would have been me in that situation. <laughs> Running down the stairs. Shit, 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 that moment shit, dragged shit. on for like two minutes. But, and again, that's the problem is just that those comedy moments always felt out of place whenever they happened. It, it felt like Chris McKay would just turn to Sam and say, do your thing now. <laughs> you know, just whenever he came into the scene. Just do your thing. Say something funny. Do a Veep-like thing. Okay. And I would have preferred either more of that or less of that. Where it is in the middle, mm-hmm. I didn't know if I was supposed to feel that Roland Emmerich, Michael Bay, end of the world popcorn fun, or if I was supposed to take this more seriously, like something like Battle Los Angeles or World War Z, right? Yeah. Oh, I got mm-hmm. t- total vibes of both. Because it really, especially the reason why that feels so imbalanced is because. For, for a long time, they kept hyping the aliens. They're like, oh, these aliens, we're not going to show you what they look like because if you saw them, you wouldn't want to go to the head. You'd, you'd pee your pants, soldier, <laughs> never want to go. Which would make people still not want to go because, like, how do we know we believe you? But I will say this. If you do that much buildup for a reveal of an enemy of some sort, it better pay off. Mm-hmm. And I will say that one thing to this movie's credit, it paid off because these aliens are freaking terrifying, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, these it's a great design on these things. and They're basically uh, Tyranids from Warhammer, it looks like. God. I thought wow. they looked like Zerg from StarCraft. Yes, that's the other thing I was going to say. <laughs> I, I will say, and again, many, many pet peeves about this movie. My biggest pet peeve, and I'm going to combo it together, so kind of two pet peeves. One... There's there's multiple times where you see like some of the, like the more uh, soldier of the soldiers, the non citizen mm-hmm. soldiers, like looking for ammo and stuff. Not once did I see a clip being exchanged and put into the gun during a fight. They have infinite ammo in some scenes. <laughs> the entire time, like I don't I don't need every gunfight to have a moment where they need to reload and blah blah blah. But like if you sprinkle it out th- through the film, it kind of adds a little bit more drama to mm-hmm. it. Instead of like, oh, they have infinite ammo. And then the first time they meet the aliens, you know, it's that typical like, oh, it's the first time you're meeting them. We don't know how to kill them yet. So we're just going to shoot thousands of bullets at them and they're not going to die. Except then earlier they said, oh, make sure to shoot the throat in the abdomen. It's like, these things don't have throats and it's not clear where in the abdomen to shoot them in. We just spray them with bullets, it seems like. But, but, but then fast forward to the third act and, you know, end of the second act, you know, we're like... You know, next shot, next shot, next shot, next shot. And it's just like, okay, pick a lane. Like, are these things really hard to kill, or are there too many of them? Yeah, well, with freaking J.K. Simmons, who has never seen these things before, suddenly knows how to snipe them from a distance with, like, precision, like, targeting on them. Uh, Justin, he was in Vietnam. Did you not know the the U.S. fought aliens? This movie feels like either one or the other. It feels like... A military writer who was sitting around with his buddy saying civilians couldn't last a week out in the dust box 
we should make a movie about that where the draft comes back and civilians are forced back into action, right? Yeah. Or it feels like someone who thinks they know how the military complex works and wrote their assumptions about it. I couldn't decide because sometimes it felt like propaganda, flag waving, just those very military pornographic shots of jets and battle cruisers and jeeps like yeah the military paid us to use their shit i will say to add on to that though i really think it did more lip service to science and technology global warming it could have gotten if it was going to be more serious because we're talking about how we don't know if it's like supposed to be funny and we're supposed to take it lightly or like serious in this world but you know there's something to be said about and they kind of lightly touched on it about forcing civilians in america to go fight a war like that's that's I, I can't believe that was just something in this movie it's like oh yeah we're gonna do that oh i guess that's how we do it in america now <laughs> honestly this movie makes the u.s government look like complete idiots like everything they do more all, so than usual well that's what i'm saying even more than what you may say about the america you know even today our current government this this movie Every decision made by the leaders in the present and the future are so boneheaded. Like, literally everything they do, you're just like, well, no wonder we're losing because you guys are run by a bunch of morons. The withholding <laughs> of information Ugh. for no other reason I'll tell you later. than to, like, give us... An, yeah. I, I I can't hug you now. That's not cool. <laughs> or, you know, like, I can't talk about my feelings because feelings are bad. Like Those are some of my least favorite tropes in anything. Those are the moments that could have been cut because they happen so frequently after one we would have gotten it, you know? Yeah. I'm I'm struggling to try and think of anything good in this movie. It's not even say that this is a terrible movie. It's a popcorn flick. But but even then I've seen like when you say it compares to Edge of Tomorrow, that's a great popcorn movie. Like that's just one that's mm. you know, it's actiony, it's smart without being like overly heady or nuanced, but it's just really entertaining and well done. This one really feels really sloppy. And even on some of the technical angles, I found that there were some issues with editing where like you said it has that problem where it's either too slow or too fast in certain sequences where you're just like my eyes are straining at the influx of images happening right now <laughs> the visual effects are all right on the monsters they varied on how well they were rendered at certain points like the actual designs were cool the set pieces were good the stairwell to the street section was good that was probably the best scene in the movie that's probably yeah. the best sequence visually the cinematography it's from a really good cinematographer larry fong who does a lot of Zack snyder's films it was okay. It's kind of a flat-looking film. The music. Lauren Balfa did the music, who's a really good composer. He's worked for Hans Zimmer. I actually had to look up to see if it wasn't Hans Zimmer, because there was a few moments where I'm like, this <laughs> sounds like The Dark Knight. Yeah, which and that's the thing, is that this music is so loud. It's loud, it's bland, it's incessant. Like, I, I don't know, maybe it was just the screener I got, but I'm sure you guys probably found it too, that there's so many things with the sound design and the music where it's just blaring at you constantly. I kept having to turn it up and turn it down, turn it up, turn it down. Yeah. Of course, Chris Pratt had an arc, it's the main arc. But like, besides his arc, the only one I cared about was, was Sam, or uh, uh, Charlie. Yeah, because it's Sam Richardson, he's charming. Mm -hmm. When he comes back in the second act and you find out like <laughs> what happened, at that point too, I was like, wow, what a, what a downer way to end this movie. And then again, we find out there's still 40 minutes left. <laughs> but the next instance where he's needed, it's, he's like, Flipped 180, he's ready. But that's the thing, when when they decided when they bring him back into the plot, there's a good 40 minutes where him and Edwin Hodge are just benched for a big chunk of the movie. For no reason whatsoever. Just because we're, we don't need them at the moment. It's a, it's time for Yvonne Stravowski and Chris Pratt to take mm -hmm. charge. 
<laughs> Listen, we need you guys to survive, and it's probably going to be unsurvivable if you stay with Chris Pratt. So just go yeah. over there. Yeah, that's pretty much more or less how it turned out. You know, I will say again, one last good thing <laughs> in this movie is that Chris Pratt, there's a reason why he's a good leading man type. Because he is doing some Herculean heavy lifting to carry this film. <laughs> Gosh, I feel like I just am so mean lately. I... I wanted to go in with this chance because I'm like, it's Chris Pratt, it's Chris McKay, it's, you know, it seems like an interesting idea, you know, the whole thing with the future timeline. And the longer it went on, the more questions my wife and I were raising throughout the film, the more we just started to laugh at the terrible dialogue at points, the more we were just baffled by some of the tonal choices. And then at some point we were just starting to get angry with when we realized there was a fourth act that was coming up. So, oh, yeah. I I was really not having a good time with this movie. It's just such a Ugh. drain <laughs> to sit through. And again, it's a weird thing where I almost compare this kind of like watching Army of the Dead, which this one's much more fast-paced than Army of the Dead, and yet it's just as messy and boldly dumb with itself, where it doesn't even think about how dumb it is. It just goes, yeah, don't worry about it, don't worry about it. We just gotta get to the end of the movie. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so... Yeah, I didn't really enjoy this much at all. I found it to be kind of a drag, and I just kind of hope that Chris Pratt... I, I don't know what is the Chris Pratt where he can't really succeed as a leading man in stuff that isn't a franchise. Like, what is it with him? I don't know. So, I'm sorry, but Chris Pratt, I'm going to have to give you right. three out of ten very contrived plot points about volcanoes. <laughs> so. All right, I'm not going to say this is the worst thing in the world. Yeah, the woman in the window already came out this year. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> Again, this is definitely more for a mainstream audience. If you're expecting a lot, don't. You're going to be disappointed. I, I'd honestly just go in, like, assume you're going to watch a dumb movie, and you'll probably enjoy it more. Again, not bad. I'd probably say I'd give it three and a half pectoral abs out of six on Chris Pratt. <laughs> Actually, no, not three and a half. That's way too high. Two and a half. There Sorry. we go. There we Two go. And I was saying, like, are you crazy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, that's on the higher end of it. No, I don't want to yeah. do that. Uh, before you go, TC, I just want to say that Alan did actually <laughs> give his thoughts, and more or less, he's just like, the cre creatures look cool, it's reasonably exciting at points, and it makes no sense whatsoever when anyone opens their mouth to speak. So, that's a nice summation of his thoughts. Uh, he kind of more or less falls along the lines. I'm sure you're probably very similar to TC. <laughs> well, I love time travel stories, going to the past, going to the future, time loops, time displacement. I'm all about it trying to fight a war in the future with conscripted soldiers from the past who aren't alive by the time of the war? All right, all right. An Iraqi war vet, biology teacher, husband, father who travels between the future and the present trying to stop the war and save his family? Okay. Stars Chris Pratt, J.K. Simmons, Sam Richardson, and Yvonne Strahovski? Okay, okay. Yeah. That would all make a really great TV series. As a movie... Not so much. Quick side note, this is the third movie I've reviewed this past week and a half that is set in the winter. So clearly a movie that was meant to come out last November. But this is pretty generic. It has some cool action set pieces. It's a great design on the aliens. It's good, kinda, but it's not as good as nearly as good as it could have been. I wanted to like this more but it just falls on its face over and over again. I think Chris Pratt, Sam Richardson's are charming as hell, and when played to those strengths, the movie works. But when it gets overly dramatic, it just feels silly. This feels like a successful movie came out, and then a few months later, a really similar movie came out trying to do the same thing, like Armageddon Deep Impact is the most historically significant example of that. 
this feels like Edge of Tomorrow, World War Z, Neil Blomkamp's movies, After District 9, Battle LA. This feels like Aliens fan fiction, and those are all better movies. So when it comes down to it, this isn't a waste of time. It's just not nearly as good as it might have been in different circumstances, in a different timeline, if you will. So all in all, I'm giving this five out of ten White Claws. <laughs> when they just start to like, call them that, like the White Spikes and the White Claws, it's like, when did we decide <laughs> this was the nickname that no one made that clear? <laughs> also, do you love how little the crap the movie gives about the actual soldiers who went back in time? Like, I don't think they give them names. <laughs> They're just so generic. Right. It, it, there's part of me from the screenwriting perspective where I think, okay, when we see them launch all the conscripted soldiers, there's like a hundred of them. This movie might have been more interesting straight from the page if it was 10 of them or 12 of them, yeah, like a right. group. Aliens, just rip off aliens all the way. If you're going to go for it, go for Seriously, it. Seriously, <laughs> with the way they were doing stuff beforehand where it's like just sending soldiers to the meat grinder until we get something done, I'm just like... How about instead you send in like a black ops team or a skilled well, group? Well, they that was a bit of a bit of rule setting in the movie that is sort of blink and you missed it in the dialogue, which is at first they sent soldiers and then they sent more and more to the point where Chris Pratt is revealed to be dead in 7 years. Right? So they've reached a point of conscripting soldiers who will be dead in 7 years, 6 years, 5 yes, years. Yes, but again, years. If you're just sending soldiers and then when they all die, you go, let's just send more soldiers. Maybe you need to change your strategy a little bit. Just saying. <laughs> or train anyone before you send them. No, they didn't train anybody. Some dude came into the, the, the lines for the conscription wearing his chef's hat. Like he just came out from the bakery and goes, all right, I'm going to go to war in the future. That's that Michael Bay nonsense that I'm talking about. The <laughs> yeah, dude was yeah, still yeah. wearing his chef's hat. That's either funny or stupid. What do you want? It's just... Ugh. <laughs> There you go. There, put that on the poster. <laughs> the Tomorrow War. It's either funny or stupid. What do you want? 